She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You had McCabe, who himself was fired for lying to investigators, encouraging Flynn to not have a lawyer, basically setting him up. The president is committed to protecting every single American citizen. He knows that without border security and without borders, you have no country at all. The challenge here is we know the problem with border security. We need our borders stronger, strong, secure, especially with the caravan and others. So what the president's saying is, I want a deal. The Democrats are fighting for illegal aliens. Donald Trump is fighting for American citizens. That's what this whole thing's about. And now, Stacey Washington. Well, happy Friday. Guess what? You may be feeling a bit down. Well, you won't be when you get done listening to today's program. We are going to cover news and information, politics, culture, all from the Christian worldview here on Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. And we're going to do it while keeping an upbeat attitude. I'm absolutely so over looking at all of the news and seeing nothing but negativity, not just negative news as in crime and that type of thing a really negative news that ignores the good things that are going on in this country and that are being done by the Trump administration. And so if you listen to a lot of CNN and MSNBC, first thing I want to say is stop. Don't do that to yourself. And number two, they're lying to you. They're trying to convince you that the only answer to any problem that might be existing somewhere in the known universe is to put Donald Trump in jail. Not only is he not going to jail, he hasn't done anything wrong. So I haven't been really hammering it home all week because in my mind, when I listen to all of the different accusations against the president of the United States right now, what I'm hearing is a lot of this. And if you can't hear that in the microphone, that's me waving my fingers around like a talking. But no, it's a lot of nothing, a lot of garbage. And I prefer not to pay attention to garbage. I prefer to address myself to the larger, weightier issues or the lighter, more fun issues, <laughs> whichever those might be. So welcome into the program. Thank you for being here today. Best listening audience in the known world, American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Go to AFR.net and UrbanFamilyTalk.com to find out more about what we do and to support us with your likes, comments, and subscribe buttons. So do that for us and, and keep us in business over here. And then uh, what are we going to have on the show today? Well, we have Amber Athey. She's a media and breaking news reporter for The Daily Caller. Fantastic guest. We love having her on. She's going to come on and talk to us about the White House battle and some other things she's been working on over at thedailycaller.com. And then we're going to talk about Tom Perez saying church has too much influence on voters. You know I have words. Oh, I have words for that potty mouth man. How is he going to fix his mouth to, to basically put his mouth on Christians and act as if there's something wrong with us being single issue voters. If you're a single issue voter, you get my big air high five from way over here in the Midwest, wherever you might be, because that is that that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you've gone in. And you you're, the Lord has said to you, I don't want you voting for this. And you heard him. And instead of being a little backslidden, unredeemed, you know, finger and, and fist up in the air towards God, you know, a basically disobedient little unbeliever. Instead, you said, you know what, Lord, I feel that I, I understand and I will obey. I am not voting for someone who doesn't stand in the right position on life. And if it's that simple for us as Christians, because really it is, then Tom Perez's problems are bigger than he even can articulate. So we'll get into that in just a minute. We'll also be delving into some information from Market Watch, which 
it's an indictment upon all of us because we all eat out, uh, that we're spending too much money on eating out and it's making us fat and broke. And I mean, I was reading it and thinking, ooh, I, ooh, it's Friday, but I still got to share it. So we'll be talking about that as well. And we'll take your calls. Best callers in the world, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Let's get into this. This is going to kind of weave in with my daily confession today, this, this audio. So first, I want you to hear Tom Perez. He's speaking to a group of donors and activists. And he's talking about the way that Democrats can win moving forward because their hope is to have a complete reversal of fortunes in 2020, taking back the Senate, taking the White House so that they can reinstitute their command and control structure over our social fabric of our lives while, you know, out taxing every other state and, and, and nation. And just they just want to obliterate all of the success that Donald Trump has been able to achieve with less regulation and lower taxes. And, and other things. They have a whole agenda of things that none of them are good. It's like everybody sitting around thinking of the worst thing that could possibly happen and then trying to figure out ways that they can make those into legislative policies. That's the Democrats right now. Bad ideas, stuff that doesn't work, but they insist on foisting it upon us. So he's discussing all of that. And then he begins to talk about how church really is, is the problem in his mind and Fox News because people just listen to it and then they do whatever it says, completely ignoring the fact that people on the right don't just sit down and listen and say, okay, who's on Fox News? Who's telling me who to vote for what? And then go do that. People actually listen. They read. They look at the previous results of policies from that person or that party. And then they, I, I'm hoping, I, I believe what's happening is people are saying, what does God want me to do here? What does this, does this law or this proposed rule or this agency or whatever it is that they're voting about or for, does this candidate propose that I covet what my neighbor has and use the government by force to take it? Does he propose that I use the government to take tax dollars from my neighbor to fund abortions and the snuffing out of human life? Does this person purport to want to basically obliterate our border and our national sovereignty, which is a biblical concept? And on and on down the line on the Democrats' platform, you can see where their party platform issues do not align with the Christian worldview. And so if a person is doing that, it's not that their church is having too much of an influence on them. It's that they're living for Christ. I'm going to get carried away before you even get to hear what he said. Look, it's number one. And we all have to make sure that we're fluent in what's happening across our ecosystem so that we can come to each other's defense. Because we need to build a bigger orchestra. They've had a big orchestra for some time. And they've got the megaphones to amplify it. Whether it's Sinclair at a local level, Fox at a national level. I've learned this from the outreach we've done at the DNC. Why are we penetrating, I ask. And I had someone in northwestern Wisconsin tell me, you know what? For most of the people I know, their principal sources of information are Fox News their NRA newsletter, and the pulpit on Sunday. And it should come as a surprise to no one that our message doesn't penetrate. It should come as a surprise to no one that that person has elevated the issue, of course, to the top because that person on the pulpit is saying, ignore everything else that this person has done and is doing. We have to focus on one issue of Roe versus Wade. And people buy it because that's their only source. So as we move forward here, we've got to talk about these substantive ideas, but we've got to talk about a broader communication strategy. 
We've got to talk about other reforms that are going to enable us to elect Democrats up and down the ticket so that we can actually have the capacity to implement it. Now, there's a few things to unpack here. First of all, when he says that uh, their pastor is saying, ignore the other things that this person has done, I've yet to hear a pastor say that. And in today's media age where almost every pastor in America now has a live stream or a YouTube or someplace on their website where you can go and listen to their past sermons, it is pretty easy to find out whether or not pastors are saying, ignore, let's say, Claire McCaskill, who just lost bigly, to use Donald Trump's term, here in Missouri. Did she lose because of abortion or did she lose because she was just too radical for the show me staters? Was it people consulting with what their pastor said or was it their exhaustion with her continual obsession with raising taxes, funding abortion and not taking care of our southern border? Was it because they felt like she was really playing us as Missourians with her? She would put up these little events. I'm meeting with veterans. I'm having a veteran roundtable. She tried to act like she was the veteran's best friend, but she had nothing to do with cleaning up the scandal at the V.A., and every opportunity she's had to show show me staters, the people of Missouri, that she's on our side when it comes to funding issues, infrastructure, anything that has to do with anything that impacts your daily life. She was too busy rubbing Barack Obama's shoulders and smiling into the camera and trying to sound like a regular person when she was flitting around in her her private jet. And doing stuff that rich people do, which, you know, do you do you. You be a rich person if you're a rich person. But don't pretend you're not a rich person. Just be who you are and promote the policies that you promote. And then if you're elected, good for you. And if you're not, bye-bye. This man, Tom Perez, in saying that people are getting their NRA newsletter, well, there's a reason why you get an NRA newsletter. I know when I get mine, I'm getting it because I'm a Second Amendment supporter. And I want to know what the National Rifle Association has to say about issues of the day. It's informative. It doesn't mean I do whatever the newsletter says. The newsletter rarely says you have to do this. What they say is on this particular issue, there's going to be a vote. Make sure and call your congressperson if you agree that this should be X or it should be Y. The Democrats do that, too. For him to say that they don't have enough of an influence, that they need to widen out their reach for their messaging, ignores the fact that they control all of the media. And the truth is not in them. They constantly seek to run after evil. They constantly seek to promote policies and force other people, just regular everyday Americans, they have to force us against our will to participate in their lawlessness and their sin. It'd be one thing if Planned Parenthood was 100% private funded and they were doing abortion, and of course, it is the law of the land right now that it's allowed, but that they would say, you know what, it's, it's legal, and we're going to fight to keep it legal, but we don't want anybody who doesn't want to have anything to do with it to pay for any of it. If you don't want to have anything to do with abortion, you stay away from it. Don't have an abortion, and certainly don't help us pay for any. We got our own stuff. That's a position you could at least say, well, at least they're not, they're, they're not trying to subvert the will of people who are just, you know, just absolutely opposed to abortion. But that's not it. If they were saying transgenderism isn't a mental illness, and so therefore we want to have rights for transgendered people, but we don't want anybody who has a religious objection to be impacted by this because we understand that this is a free country, at least that's a position you could say, well, it's honorable for them to believe what they believe but not try to force it on other people. But on every issue, whether it's homosexual marriage, homosexual rights, transgender rights, and all the other rights that are coming, because they're all coming, 
when you open the door, you're not going to let in a little bit of air. It's all coming in. When you take a teaspoon of medicine, you can try to dribble just a little bit in, but you're going to get more than you're trying to dribble in because it's a teaspoon. You're going to get something akin to a teaspoon, a little less, not more. We're going to get what we open the door to. And they're opening the door wide as they can, and they're trying to force it down our throats. It'd be one thing if we saw Democrats literally doing GoFundMe accounts and saying, I'm going to sponsor this many refugees. They're going to come live in my town, in my gated community, in my exclusive AAA-rated school district with the tiny little school buildings and, and small class sizes and high test scores. We're going to bring in this many refugees, this many illegal immigrants. We're going to make sure that they're housed and schooled right here in our neighborhood because we want to take care of them. That would be different. Instead, they're bent on radically adjusting the makeup of the demographics of this country so that they can ensure that they win elections because they can't win on the issues. And then when people who are church going, who do understand what the word of God says, who do subscribe to an absolute truth and absolute lie type of a mental ethos, then those people are, are, well, they're influenced by their church or Fox News. They just do what Fox News says. Well, when do you have a chance to look at Fox News when you're busy working the first four months of the year to pay your taxes, and then the rest of the year you're battling the liberals at your school building so they can't teach your kid how to put a condom on a banana? When do you have even time to, to listen to any Fox News? And if you are listening to it, most people that I know, and I know a lot of conservatives, I don't mind telling you, they listen to whatever media outlet they're listening to with an ear for the truth. And the minute they hear something that doesn't compute, that it doesn't comport with what they know to be the truth, they're out. So the reason you see Fox News dominating in the ratings is not because people are just blindly like sheep listening to it. It's because they're putting out content that you can't get someplace else because CNN no longer just reports the news. Most of their, most of their programming is opinion. Same thing with MSNBC. It was created to shape opinion. Ask Mika Brzezinski. And we will be talking about her as well because the double standard with her is just, it's rife, it's rampant, it's crazy that she's getting away with making a homophobic slur and Kevin Hart lost his Oscar gig. Now, I don't think he's really that upset about losing it because the man is making money hand over fist with those voiceovers in the cartoon movies. But the point is there's a double standard. So, you know, for Tom Perez, I'm glad he understands that a lot of us read our Bibles, but we don't answer to a church or to Fox News or to the NRA. We answer to the Most High. And at the judgment seat, Tom Perez is going to be in for a rude awakening. I won't, but he will. All right, when we get back, we'll have Amber Athey, media and breaking news reporter for The Daily Caller. Keep it here. Here's Walker Wildman for Redeem Clean Laundry Products. Not only do you get a great product and you get to obviously clean your clothes, get the stains out and use the multi-surface cleaner to clean your countertops and use the dryer sheets. You're doing all of this and the money's going to support the work of American Family Association. Redeem Clean Laundry products were developed by AFA supporters Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan to assist in funding the mission of the American Family Association. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made right here in the United States. The great thing about Redeem Clean is not only is the product great, but it goes to support a great cause, and that is the work of American Family Association. For clean laundry and a cleaner society, it's Redeem Clean. 
visit redeemclean.afastore.net. Hi, I'm Crawford Loritz with a Legacy Moment. I have two older sisters, and growing up, we had our share of sibling rivalry. Usually, when they told me to do something, I ignored them. It's a true confession, but I was a typical boy. However, whenever they prefaced the statement with mom said or dad said, not only did they have my attention, but I realized I'd better do what they were asking me to do or there would be serious consequences. They were acting as representatives of my parents, and they were under the authority of another. As Christians, we have no right or authority to approach God except through Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. As Christians, we have no right or authority to approach God except through Jesus Christ. Not only is Jesus our means of salvation, He is our ongoing daily representative to the Father. He is pleading our case before the Father, and He is providing access to God's heart and riches. Listen to these words in John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Notice that the asking comes under the authority of Jesus Christ. We approach God not based upon what we bring to the table, not based upon who we are, but we approach God based upon who Jesus is, what he's done, and what he continues to do as our representative before God. Here's what I want you to remember today. Everything we do in the Christian life is because of Christ and through Christ. We approach our Heavenly Father under the authority of Christ. And in fact, the only way we have access to God is through Jesus Christ. More information about the ministry of Crawford Loritz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I am so excited to speak to our next guest. I love my guests on this show. I don't know if you can tell, but I love my guests. And I also enjoy their perspectives for the work that they do. You know, their their day jobs. They don't just do radio interviews. But it's always a pleasure to speak to someone who's on the cutting edge and is doing the thing that needs to be done, especially with media and journalism. And so Amber is one of those people. She's a media and breaking news reporter uh, for The Daily Caller. Also, she's an editor for one of their divisions, I believe. Um, Amber, thank you for joining the show. Thanks for having me, Stacey. All right, let's talk about this. You've got this White House battle. I wanted to get your take on two things. First off, the the White House battle that just went on. I saw you have a piece up at the Daily Caller kind of uh, giving your take on what happened there and reporting on that. And then also, I, I would love to pick your brain on this Mika Brzezinski thing where she gets to use a homophobic slur and make an ap- apology, but not to the person she slurred. But, uh, you know, Kevin Hart, he's not hosting the Oscars because of tweets from like at least 10 years ago. That he already apologized for. Right. And if you consider what would happen to a conservative commentator who made a comment like this, they would have been pulled off the air immediately. Um, And CNN can't even keep a Trump supporter on their network as a contributor because anytime they say anything even vaguely offensive, people boycott, they try to... um, you know, call their advertisers and tell them to pull advertising from shows. Uh, that's something that Media Matters did to Laura Ingram and to Sean Hannity when they said things that they didn't like, let alone anything bigoted or offensive. 
So to see Mika Brzezinski basically walk out of this scot-free with, um, you know, a half apology, I think is really disappointing uh, because it shows the double standard that exists in the way that conservatives are treated in the media versus liberals. Yeah, but the thing with, with this story, and I agree with you on everything you just said, but the interesting note here is that Kevin Hart is a, he's, he's got Trump derangement syndrome. He's got it bad. He's been at award ceremonies and he said <laughs> horrible things about Trump. I mean, he has. And he's, right. he's the voice of that adorable rabbit. I don't know if you've seen it, The Secret Life of Pets, the animated movie. And there's a rabbit in that movie that's a deranged, mm -hmm. homicidal rabbit. And it's the cutest cartoon character ever. It is so cute. And his voice, because he is a, a, a petite little man, but he has a man voice. He, he voices this rabbit. And it is so funny. Like, if you want to just be crying laughing, you just pull up some clips of that movie where he's voicing the rabbit talking about, you know, oppressing other animals or killing them or whatever. And he's giving the animals nicknames while he's threatening them. And it's just hilarious. So this is Kevin Hart. He's made buku dollars off of not just that movie, but a number of movies where it's either live, where, you know, he, it's an action movie where he's in it or he's voicing over. He's very popular. He's very mainstream. And nobody cares what he tweeted 10 years ago. And nobody cares that he said he doesn't want his son to be, uh, you know, a, a homosexual. Nobody cares about that. Most parents don't want their kids to be homosexuals. That may, Maybe they won't go on TV and say it or tweet it, but they do feel that way. I, I believe parents love their kids no matter what situation they're in. But if you ask what they want for their child, the tweets that he expressed were not out of the mainstream. They weren't then and they're not now. So this idea... That this leftist, Kevin Hart is a leftist, he's a Democrat, he hates Donald Trump, and they still took him down. Right. I mean, apparently you can never be woke enough for these people. Um, there's always, they're always going to find some reason to discard you. And the sad part is that the outrage mob does this as soon as people are at the height of their fame. When he, you know, achieved this lifelong dream of being invited to host the Oscars. And then recently there was um, another young man, I forget his name, but he was the Heisman Trophy winner. And as soon as he won the trophy, there were journalists who went back digging into his old tweets. They found one that um, included a, a gay slur, and it was something that he wrote when he was 14, 15 years old, which any sane, rational person is going to say, obviously, you've grown as a person since then. We're not going to judge you by things that you wrote when you were maybe a freshman in high school. But it's like these people are so sad and bitter and I guess jealous of other people's success that they feel the need to tear them down as soon as they reach the pinnacle of their careers. You know, that's an interesting one. 14 years old and you're tweeting. Mm. How could that be held against you? 14. You're, you're so different between 14 and 16. It's like two different people, let alone 14 right. to adulthood. I mean, you're, you're talking about that's like six people ago for him. <laughs> I don't know how old he is, but it's at least six versions of himself ago, him being 14 from any point in his life. <laughs> you're not the same person. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine people judging me for the things that I did when I was 14 years old. And gosh, I, it makes me sad that kids now, and I was, I guess, part of this generation, the start of this generation, where everything that we do is on social media, and we're encouraged to post so many personal things about ourselves on social media. And then later on, as we're going for jobs, or um, if we become public figures, that stuff gets held against us. And I just, 
I think kids should be really careful about what they're putting on the internet because people will try to use it to destroy you. Well, my, my advice, because we have teenagers, is that, honestly, if you're on Facebook or Instagram or anything like that as a young adult, and I really think those accounts are better for kids who are 17, 18 years old um, and up from there. And then if you are on there, it should be non-political postings. These should be, you know, basically think of it as I'm putting out a little advertisement for myself for colleges or for future jobs. And your posting should be in that in that vein. No politics, no angry, you know, discussions, no diatribes, and certainly no tweets where you insult other people. But I, I'm, right. I'm just wondering why kids of 14 need to be on Twitter at all. Why, why does a kid need, I understand the Instagram accounts because you can, you know, share pictures with other people and, you know, post your exploits in your, your high school sports or your college sports or whatever. But why, why do you need an, a Twitter account? Twitter is the worst medium for even keeled normal discussion. Like it's, it's rare. It's mostly just cat fights and mudslinging. And then for Facebook with the amount of, problems they've had keeping their platform safe. I mean, if you're already on there, you're already exposed. But if you're not on there and you're a kid, why would a parent say, yeah, you can get a Facebook page? It's just not even worth it. Right. I don't think it's a good idea either. It can only cause trouble. Um, people should wait till as late as possible to allow those kids, their kids on those platforms. And I just want to go back to the Mika Brzezinski thing really quick because I know we got a little bit off topic. But um, mm, yeah, yeah. I think the reason that she's not going to face any any judgment or pressure or um, any, any consequences for what she said is because he is a host on one of the most prominent mainstream uh, talk shows in the country, and the people who would normally report on this kind of thing, if a conservative said it, want to go on her show. And they know <laughs> that if they come out and start criticizing Morning Joe, start criticizing Mika Brzezinski, guess what? They're not going to be invited on as guests. And so they're protecting their own careers. And I think it's as simple as that. Well, you know what? I have criticized her and Morning Joe. Um, they're never going to have me on there. And I, <laughs> I don't, don't think care. I'll be invited either. <laughs> yeah. I, Amber, we're ne well, I don't know. You could possibly, I, I think you could possibly get on to, I went on to uh, Al Sharpton, his Sunday show. Mm -hmm. And he had some reporter watching that did this story about how he fact-checked me. And when I realized that it was kind of a setup, they had me on so he could make the line that he made and then the person could write the article about fact-checking me, which is, that is not what he did. Um, they've since asked me to come back and I said, no. And I've been asked to go back on CNN and I said, your, your audience is too rude and hateful for me to come on your platform. Now, mind you, getting a gig as a CNN contributor means you need to go on there, right? You have to go on there a bunch of times and then they get used to you and then they give you a contributor job and it pays very well. But it's not worth it to me to go on there, let alone work my way up into the contributor realm. There's some stuff you just have to kind of say, am I willing to lay myself down and be run over by a train once or twice a week for the next year? Or do I, you know, do I just want to live? And so career wise, who cares? Who cares if it's a boost for my career or not? I'm not going to do it because they, these, these are not good people. These are not people that like Mika Brzezinski, the thing that she said that was the homophobic slur. So first of all, I'm, I believe if you're insulting someone, it's an insult. It doesn't matter if it's in the way of their race or their sexual choices or whatever. It's, it's an insult. And so if you're being insulting, that's not really, that's not as professional as she could be. But it, 
it's not a job ender in my opinion. It's not a job ender. I don't think people should lose their jobs over it. But by the same token, I don't think Kevin Hart should have lost his opportunity over 10-year-old tweets. But I, I do notice that Kevin Hart's black and he's on the left and very few people came to his rescue. But for Mika, everyone just kind of sat back quietly and didn't say anything, as you said, and then waited for her to make that really, it's a non-apology. And now they've moved on. And the rest of us can keep talking about it. But what matters is she's moved on from it. She's going to keep on doing what she does. And it's also because of the, not just the, the, the show itself, obviously people want to go on it, but it's because she's now married to Joe Scarborough. And she and Joe have made a name for themselves as being opposing Donald Trump. And so she's kind of untouchable now. Yeah, I think that's true. And um, to your point about the apology, she didn't even apologize to the person she insulted, which was, of course, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. She apologized to the gay community and to her audience, but she never apologized to the target of her remarks. And then shortly thereafter, she went on to um, use the incident to attack Trump. So it's hard for me to believe that her apology was really genuine. Um, And I'm with you. I don't think it's a career ender. I'm not really in the vein of trying to fire people when they make one mistake on their on their job or they say one thing that perhaps goes too far. Um, and I think conservatives are way more consistent on that than liberals are, um, sometimes to our detriment, because we don't have these outrage mobs that get people on the left fired. And unfortunately, the left does do that to conservatives. But I totally agree. I, I don't think we should be trying to destroy people's lives over, you know, a mistake or something like that. Mm. That's true. Um, so there's been a lot of discussion about the, uh, the the White House battle, as we're calling it. And the left says that Pelosi wore a red jacket that now needs to be reissued by the, the designer for next year. So 2019 will be the year of this kind of orangish red. It's a beautiful coat jacket that Nancy wore <laughs> as she slid her shades on walking out of because they they do all of this stuff as like media opportunities. I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I noticed that Barack Obama would be somewhere and he would make a certain motion and then that motion or that whatever it was, it would be a gif or it would be a meme or it would be something that people would be talking about on Twitter. And then that's the news story. The reason we're focusing on Nancy Pelosi's coat and shades, and she did cut a fine form. I mean, a, a nice coat on a woman, especially if you pair it with the good, she had the nude shoes on. She did the outfit justice. She did well. But the reason we're focusing on her outfit, and that's trending on Twitter, is because she and that Chuck Schumer look like utter fools facing off with Donald Trump when he told them that they're they're against border security and that they need 10 votes from the Democrats and the Democrats won't give them. They had no answer. They looked awful. Yeah, I agree. I think the meeting absolutely went on in Trump's favor, especially when you consider that they, um, Pelosi and Schumer were hypocritical the entire time on two fronts. One, they claimed that they didn't want to shut down the government, which they did last year, which it was rightfully dubbed the Schumer shutdown um, after Trump said that he wouldn't uh, approve a deal exchanging DACA for border funding. And then, two, they kept talking in the press conferences after this meeting about how they wanted transparency. Yet during the meeting, they kept urging President Trump not to speak about this in front of the cameras and for them to have this negotiation behind closed doors. And Trump said, no, I want to have this out in the open. I believe in border security. I want funding for the wall. And if you don't give it to me, I'm going to shut the government down. And it's as clear as day right there in his words in front of cameras. No one can go back on that. And Pelosi and Schumer have never been in a political situation like that before. Trump, of course, 
grew up on reality TV. This is sort of his his battle zone. This is where he really thrives. And for anyone to say that Pelosi and Schumer came out winning that meeting is just the opposite of reality. It's the same as when in high school, the popular girl finally gets her comeuppance from the girl she's been bullying or the girl whose boyfriend she stole or whatever. And so other people who know that the popular girl is still going to be the popular girl at the end of this comeuppance, this is just a tiny dip. They focus on how beautiful she is or how she's going to be the homecoming queen or something like that. And they deflect away from the issue to save face because they've just seen someone that they're terrified of get taken down a strong peg. That's what this is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're totally right. And of course the media wants to continue their love affair with Nancy Pelosi. They don't want to get on her bad side because the media has become essentially an arm of the democratic party. So in order to avoid criticizing how she handled the meeting, it's a lot easier to just make the viral moment about her clothing choices and her hand motions. Which you have to give it to her. She knew she'd be walking out of that. She's, she's yeah, like, and she looks great to her credit. Yes, she's a seasoned political operator and she's a media maven. She's very right. good at manipulating the media types. Sometimes I've seen her on shows where the person will go off script and they'll ask her a question that's actually kind of substantial you know <laughs> they'll, they'll ask her something and she's not there to talk about issues she's not there to talk about legislative priorities or anything like that and she'll deflect away but while she's doing it she'll kind of insult them like once she said to uh, one of the nighttime hosts she said you know what that sounds like a great question but the people here in this audience aren't they they don't have me here to talk about that kind of stuff on a night like tonight they're I'm here I'm here to have a good time. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here for us to, you know, have a good exchange. I'm not here to talk about that type of issue. And then she turned to the audience and she kind of did her hands in like a little bunny rabbit motion, like, you know, everybody clap or, you know, you know, join me. And she smiled and nodded like to the whole, to the whole audience. And then they erupted in applause and then they moved on to another subject. I mean, this woman is good at this stuff. So she knew this might not go well with this bombastic, almost crazy pants man. He's used to this. He loves the cameras. So I better make sure I have on something awesome so I can get that look on the way out. And she executed it to perfection. And the little dunderheads just fell right into her trap. Yeah, and I, I criticize Pelosi a lot. Um, I obviously don't agree with her on a whole lot, but she is very politically savvy. Just look at the way that she handled the challenge uh, for Speaker of the House for the new Democratic uh-huh. Congress. She didn't have the vote. There were about 15 Democrats who were willing to oppose her speaker speaker nomination and uh, nominate an alternative candidate. And one Ah, oh, Amber, we're out of time. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back with more. Physical activity is the new trend. It's not a bad thing unless it has brought a sense of vanity in your life. Two years ago, I was not happy with the number on the scale, nor how I looked. I've never been a huge person, but I was, as the old folks would say, healthy. (laughs) I joined a gym, gained a personal trainer, even changed some of my eating habits. The Lord checked me one day and in my spirit said, why are you disgusted with yourself? Be healthy, take care of the temple I've loaned you, but do it because you want to honor this body, which is your responsibility while on this earth. I said, you better let me know, Abba. Psalms 139 verse 14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
15 pounds down, I know that even if I was to never look like Serena Williams with those nice framed worked out arms, I am wonderfully made in his image. And so are you. With the heart for the Urban Family, I'm today's Urban Woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. When I got home, I wanted to be part of the whole Christmas experience. Not just dad sitting in his easy chair drinking coffee, watching it happen, but actually... I'm going to be a participant in helping decorate the tree, helping wrap presents, helping all those things, decorating the house. It's hard to put into words. The time is precious. Hey, somebody hand me the scissors. When he came home last year, we wanted to make it extra special since he'd missed Christmas before and did the presents. And we we were just everything seemed a little bit, a little bit bigger and a little bit more exciting because Dad was there now to be able to enjoy it with us. And the girls were very excited about that. Urban Family Talk salutes our men and women in uniform and their families for the sacrifices they make on behalf of freedom. When you're away from your family over over any holiday or birthday or anything, but especially Christmas, it makes you think how important and how precious time is to spend with one another. Merry Christmas from Urban Family Talk. Military Matters. This is a 1943 Douglas DC-3. This plane, one of the most important pieces of equipment during World War II, actually flew in the D-Day invasion. It was loaded up with 14 brave paratroopers and a crew of four. Brandon Jewett is an airline pilot and aviation expert. He owns this plane. It's just remarkable to think of what the airplane's done historically, and that's what's so cool. He is actively trying to find family members of the original crew to take them along as he flies this plane back to Europe in June to be part of the 75th anniversary of the D-Day invasion. Obviously, time is of the essence. Brandon has the manifest of the original crew. He knows the pilot and co-pilot passed away a few years ago, but he wants to find the others or any of their loved ones. And we'd like to allow those family members to participate, to know what their family members and how important a mission it was 75 years ago. Deborah Takahara, Fox 31. You can download episodes of Stacy of the Right from the podcast page on AFR.net or UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. The president actually understands people needing a paycheck, certainly far more than Nancy Pelosi uh, ever will, partly because he's actually signed the front of a paycheck. He knows what a paycheck means. It's why he spent so much of the first two years of his administration making sure more people in America get a paycheck, making sure more people have a job. The other part of that is the president has been committed to making sure we protect our borders. People can't get a paycheck if they're not around because we've had people come across uh, and take jobs from them or uh, even worse, have violent crimes that have hurt Americans. The president is committed to protecting every single American citizen. He knows that without border security and without borders, you have no country at all. And he's calling on Democrats to step up and actually do their jobs and protect the American people and work with him in that process. Wow. So that was Sarah Huckabee Sanders speaking about this whole issue of the Democrats not doing their jobs to protect the American people. And that's what it is. And anyone who tells you that it's not about the Democrats refusing to give the 10 votes so that the border wall can be funded is lying. The Democrats voted for the border wall in 2006. They wanted the border wall to be shorn up and to be something that was uh, honestly, we're talking about a nonpartisan issue here. And the fact that they're making it partisan, they refuse to deal on the deferred arrival 
on childhood, you know, deferred action on childhood arrivals. They refuse to do anything about any, any, any issue having to do with immigration just tells you how far away from where they were they have come, which calls into question whether or not you can support them as a Christian. Oh, yeah, I said it. It's Friday afternoon. I said it. And uh, no amount of anger or vitriol or Trump derangement syndrome is going to make me take it back. So there it is. Sorry, not sorry. All right, we're going to take calls. We love to speak to our wonderful guests here on the program. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. So while we're in this last segment of the show, I want to talk a little bit about this, uh, this article over at Market Watch. They start the article off, chew on this. They say that more than half of Americans confess to making a financial mistake when pursuing their financial goals this year. And the most common mistake had to do with dining out. One in four Americans confessed that they dined out too much last year, according to a survey of more than 2,000 people released Thursday by the financial company Fidelity. What's more, the number one thing Americans bust their budgets on is dining out. And this is according to research released by a financial company named Principal that also released this year. So nearly one in three Americans, 29%, up from 26% last year, said that this was this year's top year or top budget buster for them. And I encourage you to take a look. Uh, almost every bank has the little system where once you've logged into your account, you can go over and check the little pie chart on what your spending was. And sometimes the spending is miscategorized and you have to go in and change something that was, uh, you know, maybe a restaurant to a gas station or vice versa. But for the most part, the algorithms are able to determine what you were buying at the store and group it into its proper category. And the reason this is important is because if you're not keeping track of this on a month to month basis and you're just looking at it now, you're just, you know, tucking into your account and clicking on that pie chart, you might be shocked to see how much money you're actually spending on eating out. And if you're not a tight budgeter and you don't, you know, keep track of every every single dollar going in and going out in that way because you have disposable income, you might be surprised to see how much of your disposable income is going to that. This is what is happening and this is why um, you know, people are underestimating what's what how much it's costing them to eat out, to to continually have, you know, a certain number of meals out per week. So People who tend to eat out a lot tend to underestimate what it will cost, according to a study released in 2017 that was done by Penn State. The researchers asked the participants what they thought they would spend eating out at the beginning of a two-week period. The middle of the period, participants upped their average budget from a little under 18 in one week to about $55 in week two because they realized they were spending more money on eating out than they had anticipated. So they planned one thing, but in execution, it turned out to be something completely different. What this tells the researchers is that obviously they thought they would spend less and they realized they were spending a lot more and then they started rationalizing the increase. The reality is that Americans are spending thousands dining out. Government data shows that in 2017, Americans spent more than 3300 a year on dining out and that's a 6.7% increase from the year prior. Now, remember, you want to go to the beach for a week in the summertime or in the springtime $3,300 is way more than you need for a two-bedroom condo. Honestly, you can get a two-bedroom condo on the beach. Literally walk out the door of the condo and you're on the sandy beach and the water is just ahead of you 
for about 15 to 1700 a two bedroom and five people can stay in that so 3300 a year on dining out that's that's a sizable sum of money now it doesn't mean that they're advocating for people not to dine out at all they're just saying that the numbers are increasing every year that they're tracking how much Americans are spending and then it's also having something another uh, unintended consequence which is it wreaks havoc on savings because people tend to use that disposable income and it doesn't go into the savings account. So more than the $3,300 a year, uh, all spending at restaurants surged by the most on record this past year. And Gallup data from last year showed that six in 10 Americans ate dinner out at least once a week, 16% saying they did it three times or more a week. Dining rooms and kitchens across the U.S. are getting a little less use than <laughs> they used to because Americans have embraced the experience of eating out. Not only is eating out wreaking havoc on your savings, but it may be expanding your waistline. On days when Americans eat out, they scarf an average of 200 more calories than when they eat at home. Now, I find this to be true because the servings at the restaurants are so much larger because they want to justify the price that they're charging you. I also see that the food at the restaurants is all, it's just so much more rich. If you try to make a restaurant dish at home, you'll notice that a lot of the ingredients that are going in, you're like, well, if I want it to taste exactly like what it tastes like in the restaurant, according to this all recipes recipe, then I need to put these things in. But after you've made it a couple times, you can kind of figure out, well, I could probably leave this out or I could use this instead of that, which has less fat in it. And you can still get the same taste and experience, but you're making it at home. So it costs less and it has fewer calories, not only because you used fewer of the high calorie rich ingredients, but because you probably gave yourself a normal size plate serving, a salad plate serving, where at a restaurant, they don't even serve your food to you on a plate anymore. Now they bring you what looks like a platter where you would normally put a whole dish, like a whole chicken or a turkey or something like that. They bring you that and it's got food all over it and you're supposed to eat all of that in one sitting. One thing that I know was a really high critical point uh, or point of criticism for people during the Obama administration was that Michelle Obama and her lunch rules and food rules meant that restaurants had to put the calories on their menus. Well, I was against it, but the unintended consequence of it actually going through and happening is that now I'll sit down. Like I remember the last time we were at the cheese factory was some weeks ago and we sat down and there's a salad that I get from there that I always think of as being a healthy choice. Well, that salad is 1300 calories. And so when I looked at that, I thought, wow, so if I eat half of it, it's not that bad. But remember, how many calories are you supposed to have per day? You know, so if you if you know how many calories are in something and then you look at the cost of the actual meal and what it does to your budget eating out that often, and it's kind of an impulse thing. Oh, I don't know what I'm making for dinner tonight. I guess we'll eat out or oh, we're coming back from basketball or whatever, you know, your kid's activity is soccer or, or dance or whatever. You're coming back and you're like, oh, well, I guess we'll just pick something up. What ends up happening is picking something up, bust the budget, and you end up eating way more calories than you would have if you cooked at home. So it's not that this article at Market Watch is against people eating out, but they are trying to alert people to the, the correlation between the extra calories that are being taken in and the le- you know, lower amount of funds that are going into savings accounts. So all told, nearly three in four Americans are now either overweight or obese, according to the CDC. 
And that's costly. The medical cost for people who have obesity was $1,429 higher than those who are of a normal weight. Still, it's important to point out that there are plenty of other reasons Americans are overweight and don't have fat savings accounts besides dining out often. People can certainly put on the pounds and spend big when they're cooking their own foods. So it's, it's just kind of an alert. It's kind of like, hey, you know, this is what's happening. And you can evaluate what's happening with you on your own if you're a part of the, you know, the, the kind of phenomenon or maybe you're, you're outside the phenomenon and you're doing great. You're eating healthy and you're eating out sometimes, but the majority of the time you're within your budget and your savings accounts are growing. So it, it's just an alert to try to keep us paying attention to something that can be an issue um, for, for Americans who are trying to watch their weight, trying to increase their savings, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, the call lines are open still. We have a few minutes left in this segment. 866-963-2037. 866-963-2037. We are going to be doing, um, we have obviously live shows next week. I know a lot of people are going to be going on vacation, but do not worry. Um, I'm going to be here. I'll be here next week. And we'll be having lots of call-ins and we'll be talking about Christmas and we'll be having a little bit lighter of shows, but obviously we will still be covering breaking news and um, all of the different things that are going on. Um, so talking about the migrants in the caravan, and this to me, it's kind of upsetting, but I don't think people are going to pay attention to it. We're certainly not going to see anything about it on any of the cable news outlets because what they want to do is they want to infer that the border patrol killed a seven-year-old migrant girl. She died just hours after being taken into custody of U.S. Border Patrol, but she was suffering from dehydration and exhaustion as a result of the strenuous journey from deep, you know, South America. A seven-year-old girl. She died of dehydration and exhaustion. The Guatemalan child entered illegally into the United States with her father as a part of a huge group crossing into New Mexico. So I, again, I ask, how are these people still crossing the border when we have over 10,000 troops south of the border now? I mean, how are they still getting in, first of all? And second of all, these people are literally killing their own kids to get into America. And Democrats are defending it. Time magazine had a misleading headline, seven-year-old immigrant girl died after she was detained by border control. Well, first of all, she's an immigrant girl or is she a migrant? And they talk about the concerns that they have over how the child died um, and that they want more scrutiny at detention centers. But it's not about the detention center. If she showed up at the border and crossed into America illegally, and she was dehydrated and exhausted from being forced to walk thousands of miles, it doesn't matter if she was held in a posh hotel or if she was held in, in you know, squalid conditions. She was at death's door when she got there. What they should be doing is holding her father on child endangerment charges, uh, negligence. She had, so they bring her in and to prove in their own piece that she did not actually die at the hands of Border Patrol, 
They talk about in the article how she suffered from seizures for just over eight hours after being taken into custody. And then her temperature spiked to 105.7 degrees. Unbelievable. So um, let's do, we have time for one call, then people will have to hold over. Um, let's go to Randy in Missouri. Randy, thank you so much for calling the show. Hey, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, yeah, I wanted to chime in on the immigration issue. Uh-huh. Um, you know, a lot of people have the idea that this is an organic movement and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, there, you know, these, this, as far as the caravans concerned, um, these folks had all kinds of help, logistical help, financial help. And I think uh, the United Nations is uh, a part of it, just like the stuff that's been going on over in Europe. Um, there's a program within the United Nations called the United Nations Refugee Relocation Program. And there's also this compact, this uh, United Nations Migrant Compact, that a bunch of nations are signing on to right now. And through the NGOs and groups like George Soros and various other groups, uh, church groups that are uh, financially tied through the NGOs, um, these folks are ha- being facilitated uh, in their migration process, and uh, it's it's going to spell a lot of problems for this country. As it is. Uh, as it's caused a lot of problems for Germany, Sweden, and uh, France, as, as, as the, um, many stories have testimony to. So. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the call, Randy, and you make some fantastic points there. Um, there's no denying that it's causing hurt, harm, and danger to innocent children and people in the United States who are the victims of illegal immigrant crime. It's a bad situation all the way around, and it has to be stopped. All right, Merry Christmas, y'all. We are going to be having more Stacy on the right after this. If you're leaving us now, God bless you from the heartland. And you have onenewsnow.com news and information up next as well.